Hello and welcome. You are listening to an informed take on current events brought to you by law students and staff of Queen's University Belfast. This is LawPod. Hello and welcome to LawPod. I'm Dr. Amanda Kramer, a lecturer in the School of Law at Queen's University Belfast. I'm very happy to be joined today by my colleague, Dr. Matt Bowden. This is the next episode of a series of LawPod, which is being recorded at the European Society of Criminology Conference in Malaga. Thanks very much for joining us, Matt. Perhaps you could tell us a little bit about yourself to get started. Matt Bowden is my name. My job title is Senior Lecturer in Sociology, Technological University, Dublin. But I've been researching in the criminological space since around about 1997, which is about 25 years, I think, my my anniversary, quarter century. My first foray into criminology really was to study crime prevention when I was, uh, I became a researcher at the Children's Research Centre in Trinity College in Dublin. And I was assigned to, among other things, to look at the, what was then called the Garda Special Projects, which are now called the Garda Youth Diversion Projects in the Republic. There's about a hundred of them around the, around the country and their social crime prevention with young people. So we did a first evaluation of that by way back in 1997. So that was my first entree, if you like, to, to criminology. I completed my PhD in 2008 and I've been teaching criminology at Technological University Dublin since then. Great, and now you're a lifetime criminologist. <laughs> well, 25 years, I think, is a fair apprenticeship. Yeah, I think so. Uh, yeah, no, it's, it's always been really interesting. And I, I, I did my PhD in a sociology department rather than in a, in a law school. So uh, it just gave me a very kind of different kind of perspective on criminology and, and, and where I could take it. So I'm, I'm, from that point of view, I'm interested in kind of criminological theory. My PhD supervisor was a theorist, social theorist. And so I, I, I picked up a bit of a legacy, I think, from him in terms of how I think about things. Great. <laughs> so you're here at the conference partially yeah. to promote a, a new book that you have on rural criminology, yes. which we'll get to in a second. But perhaps first you could tell us a little bit about what rural criminology does, um, what kind of areas it covers, what your work has been. Yes, rural, rural criminology. I'm, I'm relatively new to rural criminology. and The only uh, reason I got involved in it was that I have a PhD student who was really keen to do something in the rural space and was probably fed up with me talking about cities all the time and, you know, talking about crime prevention in cities or urban security. He was really interested in the idea of, of rural security. And that piqued my interest as well because it wasn't something I had thought about terribly much. So rural criminology tends to focus on people, people and communities and institutions that are either living in or dealing with or governing places where populations are scattered or populations are small. Now there's no universal agreement amongst rural criminologists as to what rural means except the 
somebody who's regarded as being one of the founding academics in the in the rural criminology space, Joe Donomer, says it's look, it's basically places with small populations. You you live in a rural area if you need to drive two hours to your nearest shopping centre. But rural can be right outside a, right outside a city, or it can be a, a remote group of islands in the Pacific. In a recent book, we have a contribution from an author called uh, Rob White. And Rob writes about Antarctica as a rural space. So that's, a, that's an interesting kind of twist on things. So rural is very, very difficult to define. Well, I suppose one of, the, one, of the, one of the ideas about rural areas is that it's often regarded uh, in these idealistic terms. And yet there's this fascination culturally with the rural. Authors often talk about the rural heaven and the rural horror, you know? We want it to be this beautiful, serene place. And then a lot of media representations and films like Deliverance, for example, we have this idea of the rural, the rural horror. The Texas Chainsaw Massacre, for example. So we have these kind of different images of the rural and it's, that, makes it, that makes it very, very complex. Also, it, because it, it's out of sight and out of mind, it's, it's, very di it's very distant from centers of regulation and centers of governance. So the level of, the level of state surveillance, if you like, over, over rural areas is less. And, and often we, you know, a lot of crime goes unreported. For example, we think of crime rates being very low in rural areas, but we, we miss out on things like the, the whole structure of patriarchy and what that means for violence against women in rural spaces often goes unhidden. The patriarchal structures in rural spaces tend to be, uh, you know, very strong. There's lots of male-dominated networks. Police are male-dominated. Not everywhere, but, you know, so they're part of the same male networks, if you like, of the perpetrators of domestic uh, violence. Uh, so it's a, it's a, it's a complex, complex space. I mean, you have, you have people doing, doing research on, on, on aspects of rural crime, but also on things like you know, rural drug abuse, pollution. A lot, of, you know, a lot of pollution occurs that we don't see, again, out of sight and out of mind. Great. And I, I suppose some of these themes maybe are drawn together in the edited collection that you've produced. Maybe you can yeah. talk us through yeah, they are. some uh, of the themes that, yes. that are in there and then we'll move on and talk about your specific contributions. Well, it's, it's okay. It's the, the idea of this edited collection was it's the first in a series of books. The book series is called Research in Rural Crime. The series books will be published by Bristol University Press. And I'm the series co-editor with Alistair Harkness, uh, who's based in Victoria in Australia. And uh, uh, the idea of this book was to pull together some theoretical or conceptual strands, if you like, um, to, in order to promote and stimulate early career researchers and people in their mid-career also to, uh, you know, to think about rural themes and to take uh, rural criminology seriously. Uh, we're also interested uh, in this particular book here, Rural Transformations in Rural Crime, uh, to look at the way in which rural is changing and uh, to think about, uh, you know, the ways in which, you know, even, concept, even conceptions of, of rural are different in different places. You might think about rural 
very, very differently in China than you would say in Ireland uh, or Australia, where the size of a farm is probably the size of Ireland. Uh, whereas in Ireland we have a multiplicity of small farms. Uh, the Irish Farmers Association in the Republic has 70, 72,000 members. You know, the idea of that in Australia would, you know, it's just, you know, they have much, we have a much smaller number of farmers with bigger farms. <laughs> so, uh, I mean, there are differences across the, the world. I think what we tried to kind of pull together uh, different, different, different perspectives and strands here from across, from across the world. Uh, uh, thinking about the rural, uh, but also, also providing some case examples of research that's going on in rural areas. And what are your contributions specifically? Maybe you can tell us a bit more about your research um, in this area that's found its way into the book. Myself and Arthur, Arthur Pitlash uh, have written a piece in this book uh, uh, looking at the way in which rural spaces have changed in Ireland and we're specifically concerned with uh, the ways in which rural communities are being drawn into security production as we call it and be drawn into crime prevention partnerships uh, text alert schemes they're involved in their own Facebook pages and WhatsApp groups and all these kinds of things and we try to look at that as a uh, uh, as an example of what Sigmund Bauman called liquid modernity the idea that people use flows of information to uh, communicate with one another uh, and in doing so, in this case, they're producing a type of security. They're co-producing security with a number of different agencies, if you like. Uh, things that often go under the radar and they're not seen, but people are involved in, you know, uh, you know dedicating a serious amount of time <laughs> of their lives to being in these kinds of groups. And uh, um, so we were looking at that as a, as a type of uh, liquid modernity. Rural communities in, in Ireland have gone under tremendous change in the last 20 years. There's an awful lot more uh, people that live in rural areas now who aren't involved in farming. People commute over a long distance. Uh, so uh, people live in different spaces. There's, there's, we try to draw on Manuel Castell's idea of uh, the, the space of flow. This is the, an idea that people are constantly in flow and people live in flows. So for example, people who work in high-tech industries might live in a rural area but they'll commute to their place of work in Dublin where they probably work in some kind of high-tech industry or business and they're constantly in this kind of flow space. Uh, they, don't put, they don't buy goods in local shops, no, like, or don't go to the local post office, they'll probably go to the garage because they're on the move to buy their groceries and, and a few bits and pieces. Uh, uh, so from that point of view, rural has changed and because we see that then, you know, we'd have to say that you can apply theories of, and thinking about late modernity, the, the idea of late modern society to the rural areas. Uh, and uh, because we might, have, we might think of rural areas in earlier times as being very face-to-face -face type of communities, we are looking at the way in which people are using these kind of information technologies now as a, as a way of communicating with each other across, across space. So, uh, so we call that a type of, uh, we call that a kind of uh, a transformation from the face-to-face, -face, which is more solid, to informational communication, which is more liquid, it's more fluid, yeah?
even the type of lives that people lead, lead are fluid because they're on the move all the time. And do you think that that has an impact on crime? That we've seen these well, shifts. Yes, one, well, yes. Well, in, in Ireland, say for example, I mean, one of the one of the one of the biggest uh, concerns about crime, whether it actually translates into actual crimes, is another question. But we see a fear of crime that's generated uh, on the basis of ease of access and egress by mobile criminals. Now whether actually people will ever be a victim is a, is a completely separate question. But there is a fear that, you know, because criminals are seen to be more mobile, that rural communities are therefore more vulnerable. We spent a lot of money in the last 20 years building motorways and so it's much easier for, certainly for urban-based criminals, to be able to kind of move around. And so now, whether that's actually happening or not, it's not really what we're looking at here. We're looking at why people are so concerned about it. They form into these crime prevention groups and text alert scheme, you know. Somebody texts, oh, there's a red van down the street or whatever, you better, better, better watch out for this, uh, uh, and so on. So we see that as a kind of an example of, you know, how people are getting into this kind of, being drawn into this informal security production. Uh, as, a, as, a, as, a, as, a, as an aspect of the fear of crime, which is being brought on by this greater mobility and fluidity. Yeah, that's Hopefully really that makes sense. No, it does. It's really interesting. Do you think that that has something to do with, because of the kind of more, I guess, the higher levels of mobility, do you think that that's had an impact on, like, the feeling of being in a community and that that's maybe had an impact on crime? Or, or their feelings about I, crime? I think so. I think so. Uh, I mean, one of the interesting things about Arthur's work, more, more so than my work, uh, is that it, it depends on where the rural space is, or the rural community is located. So, up around the border area, in, in, which is very far from, you know, we think about somewhere like Donegal, like Derry in the, in the northwest of Ireland, where it's fairly remote from the, the main cities. Uh, you know, people there feel very, very different. Whereas, you know, they probably feel a little bit more secure, they're probably less likely to be a victim of crime than somebody living closer to the city. Uh, uh, in, in, in the border area, uh, Arthur shows in some of his work that uh, people are, you know, people are very fixed to space. People are very, tied to where they live, to the villages and small towns where they live. Whereas in, you know, the, the south, closer to Dublin, people are a little bit more mobile. And uh, yeah, that's certainly kind of feeding into uh, different types of concerns in different communities about, you know, about crime. Yeah. Yeah, it's really interesting to think about. And I guess it'll be interesting to see maybe post-COVID because a lot of people have moved away, you know, if these kinds of patterns continue that, you know, now people are living farther from where they work and a lot more people are working remotely. So I wonder, you know, if that will have an impact as well on people's feelings. Uh, I, I would suspect so, yeah. Now exactly what they are, I'm not, not so sure right now and somebody should research that. <laughs> <laughs> there you go. Yeah. Uh, that's the idea of this book was to you know to set some kind of baseline, uh, trying to pull together the state of the art uh, from 
people who write a lot in the rural criminology space and to then encourage people to take up some of the themes that are identified in this book. To look at the way in which rural, rural areas are, change, are changing and the nature of crime and fear of crime uh, and all these things are also, are also changing and taking different types of shapes uh, in different contexts. Yeah, so the take-home message is that more people should be doing rural criminology. Absolutely. <laughs> yeah. Well, great. Thanks very much, Matt. Um, that was a really Thank interesting you. conversation. Thank you. My pleasure.